I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Friday, June 3rd, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. Brett, the day after an election, when this will run, but we're recording this before the election results are in, do you want to make predictions that people will know are true or false by the time we do it? That's the prediction music. I think it's a little it's a little bit too long, in my opinion, the drum roll. <laughs> we'll get it right. Yeah, I'm an elections nerd, Jay. And so, like any good elections nerd, I have done a seat-by-seat projection of what's going to happen in the Ontario election. And so this is the Peaks Decision Desk coming online. And so what I'll say is, my predictions are that the Doug Ford and the PCs will win a majority with, I'm predicting, 73 seats. I'm saying the NDP gets 34 seats and the Ontario Liberal Party gets 16 seats. One call out I do want to make is that there's a lot of activity around Perry Sound, Muskoka, and there's a green insurgency in Perry Sound, Muskoka. And so that could be a green PC toss up. I'm putting it in the PC column right now, Jay, but you know, it's one to watch. <laughs> that was one of the nerdier rundowns I think we've ever done. I like those predictions. Mine are not nearly based on the spreadsheet that you have. I think you're probably right based on, I haven't done any look into it other than lawn signs in my own neighborhood, in which case there may be a green pickup in, what is it, Spadina, the downtown version of the variety. That will absolutely not happen, Jay, but I appreciate the confidence in which you made that prediction with. <laughs> Brett, aside from election predictions, will be either proven or disproven by the time this podcast runs. What do we have for Peak Pals on this Friday? That's the fun thing is that we can check in on Monday and see if we were right or wrong. So for our first story, there's a new cancer drug on the block. For our second story, portfolio managers aren't satisfied with the transparency of their green investments. And for our third story, inflation has offset two thirds of the buying power of Canadians after the pandemic. For our first story, Montreal-based Repair Therapeutics has entered a deal, potentially worth $1.2 billion, with pharma giant F. Hoffman LaRoche to create a new drug to treat cancerous tumors. This sounds pretty great, Brett. Want to tell Peak Pals more about this drug? Yeah, so the company's treatment is enabled by RP3500. That's not to be confused with R2D2 from Star Wars. Now, it's a molecule in the quote-unquote precision oncology drug, which can target and attack certain characteristics of cancerous tumor cells to prevent them from repairing themselves. If the drug is successful, it could prove to be more effective alternative to radiation and chemotherapy in some cases while generating fewer side effects. Well, sounds pretty good to me. So <laughs> analyst David Martin has nicknamed RP3500, quote unquote, this is like, it doesn't make any sense to me, but it's the Rodney Dangerfield of oncology drugs. Now he's arguing that like the late comic, the drug got no respect despite some promising early clinical data from human trials. This was in the Globe and Mail, Jay. Can you believe that? I can. I just don't know if Rodney Dangerfield is involved in any clinical data. Just kidding. I know that that's not why he was calling it that. But now it remains to be seen if precision oncology will be a viable option for the population at large. As little as 5% of cancer patients have access to the high-priced treatments. Some researchers also worry the drug could increase racial inequality due to its reliance on genome databases that lack genetic information on people of color. But the partnership offers a sense of hope during a period of slowing investment activity in pharma. But Repair still has a way to go to unlock the full funding under the terms of the deal, including success in its clinical trials and the regulatory approval process, which we know can be a bit, let's just say, delayed. <laughs> so, Jay, why does the new drug or at least funding of the new drug actually matter? 
Well, the stock slump in the biotech sector could signal a slowdown in the highly resource-intensive process of medical innovation. So large funding deals are important to continue the development of potentially life-saving drugs and treatments for Canadians. For our second story, almost half of Canada's asset managers, researchers, and lenders are quote-unquote not very satisfied or totally dissatisfied with available company data for so-called green investments. This is all according to Bloomberg. It's pretty spicy stuff there, Jay. So why don't investors have confidence in their green portfolios? Well, as many more companies pledge to reach carbon neutrality, missing metrics that actually assess their progress have prompted regulators to push for access to this information, especially as the risks of climate change escalate. Who's watching the green watchman? In fact, 70% of companies on the S&P and TSX Composite Index provide CO2 emission disclosures, significantly more than actually the U.S., but still well below Europe and Britain. Regulators in both Canada and the U.S. are also pushing asset managers and banks that offer funds labeled as green to disclose more information. But a lack of standardized terms and metrics means those buying the funds might still be wary, this according to the Financial Post. Canada is not known for its, let's just say, tight securities laws. According to the Canadian Securities Administrators, CSA, more than half of environmental, social, and governance-focused ESG funds lack detailed disclosure. And so, Jay, why does this whole discourse around green investments matter? Well, investors lack information to make decisions that help both their bank accounts and the planet. While corporate Canada was quick to hop on the green train, many companies still can't evaluate the impact, if any, of their environmental objectives. And for our third and final story this week, one estimate suggests that inflation has offset two-thirds of the buying power of Canadians, this according to Desjardins Group. Brett, that sounds like a lot of cash, but how exactly is this starting to impact Canadians? Well, so kind of here's what they're getting at. The average Canadian saved an extra of $8,300 during the pandemic, but when the price of everything you consume, from the roof over your head to the food you eat, when it all goes up by around 7%, suddenly the buffer you thought to had or you had from those savings, it starts to erode. Now, this is bad news for most of us, but not everyone. It's a loser in this case. For instance, big five banks are expecting millions in added income as rate hikes allow them to lend money at higher rates than they pay for deposits, which boosts profit margins. Wow, good for them. <laughs> and fixed rate mortgage holders with locked in rates are going to be paying off their debt with devalued dollars for the life alone, which is a nice bonus for those folks. But yeah, not everyone's a loser, Jay. <laughs> I'm a loser. Yeah, me too. You're a loser. We're all losers, except for these very rare people. If you missed yesterday's Peak Daily, the Bank of Canada announced its second oversized increase to its policy rate in a row to try to tame high inflation, hiking its benchmark rate by 0.5 percentage points to 1.5%. And if inflation starts to trend lower, the dollar will likely start to regain its footing and consumer confidence may return to a higher level of optimism. I like the word optimism. And here's why it matters. Inflation impacts every aspect of the economy. So Canadians don't have many places to hide in the short term, which means if you're saving for a weekend away, you might have to dip into your savings to pay for everyday essentials instead. If that sounds like you, Brett, you're not alone. While spending is holding up against higher prices, over 80% of Canadians are adjusting their lifestyle to offset higher costs, this according to BMO. It's nice to know I'm not alone. <laughs> Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to and only daily Canadian business news podcast in the country. If you got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. And as always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode. Thank you, Dale. And thank you, Brett. And Brett, you want to share that 
spreadsheet of your predictions so we can mark you, we can grade you on Monday. Yeah, I'll take a screenshot for sure. I'd love to get a grade on them and I've got to go vote right now. Well, go vote, have your voice heard. We will see you on Monday. 